Welcome to Glass Onion Minute. I'm your host for this week, Park Parkinson. Joining me is my guest, Philip Modis. Hi, Philip. Hi. This is minute number 40, the 40th minute. From 0 hours, 39 minutes, 0 seconds, to 0 hours, 39 minutes, and 59 seconds in. In this minute, this is a smokeless garden. This is a smokeless garden. This is a smokeless garden. Please keep our water clean. But that don't mean there's no heat. Uh, so we start with uh, Benoit Blanc uh, failing to have a cigar and also failing to litter. Is <laughs> it yells at him for that too? And and the the sort of laughing at Blanc continues for a while, and it's quite funny. Um, and then uh, we follow Duke running up the path at us and then to the side and we see from his pov uh miles and whiskey who are having a moment on mm-hmm. I, miles's bed a bed i all, all i guess so it can't be it can't be in duke and whiskey's yeah, and I bed right they have one room uh they have a room together uh um, yeah i don't think yeah. miles really knows or cares that much about the people who are not his prime disruptors um and right. whiskey is asking asking miles if he's gonna do it for her miles is saying something back i'm not sure possibly mumbling no and, we don't get a good uh, <laughs> And then we see that uh, during this exchange, we see that Blanc has also followed Duke. He pokes his head out from behind some of the topiary. And uh, Duke gets very emotional seeing what he's seeing. It is so weird to me that on this island where everyone is allowed to roam free and Duke could clearly be here because he's here... Miles is having this affair in front of a giant window, like a big bay window that looks out <laughs> yeah. into like a path yeah. where anyone could walk by. I thought the same thing i was like this is they're having they're uh making sweet love in the exposition <laughs> right it is of literally like, that's a glass know, palace anybody can There's walk windows by everywhere this is not a good place to have yeah. an affair no it's it's a i mean it's fine <laughs> it's it's probably the type of thing it was like there's probably like another way to do it but i think i think the movie gets away with it by virtue of just the weirdness going on to be like, whoa, that's happening. And Duke is watching it and like having a real reaction about it. And yeah, one way or another, you had to get him to see it. So I guess we just did it this way, but yeah, it is funny. It was like, there's curtains there too. I'm pretty sure you can see them on the side. Also, if you haven't inbreviated this sense 
by now. <laughs> I, I feel this is one of those moments where you're also beginning to at least question if Miles isn't isn't a real dodo. Uh, it, it, yeah, he, he does not seem like he is um, thoughtful or perhaps just very bright. I mean, let's also uh, maybe I'm giving it too much credit, but up to this point, like. When Whiskey showed up, he obviously, Miles, obviously had a reaction to her. Yeah. And, like, their hug was too long and everything like that. And then, like, they're kind of, like, playing footsie with each other throughout the rest of the time. And then when Miles gives his whole big We're Disruptors speech, her legs are on him. You know, he's, add to that the fact that he owns the place and kind of owns these people and maybe he just feels invincible. Yeah. Also is partly seems to be how, well, no, I was going to say, see, I can't imagine Claire putting her legs on like Lionel's lap, but Birdie tries to do right. that to block. Like Birdie is trying to put her feet up on <laughs> yes. Blanc's lap earlier. Um, I don't know if that was, I think it was just before our minute started. Um, no, it was. Yeah. yeah just before. And, and, and it was what she did. It was the way she was behaving at the party too. Uh, where she was being very, like, mm-hmm. uh, earlier in the first few minutes, she was being very com- comfortable and familiar with people who were, didn't seem like they were friends. That's just the way she is. And I think partly because yeah. she's, like, claiming her territory. It's part of her way of being expansive and spreading. And and yet, that might be Miles's thing here, too. Like, he is, he accepts people's feet on his lap because, yeah, I own all of this stuff. Everything is mine. That's his version yeah. of that. So if everything's yours and you don't really care about people so much, I think maybe that's part of it. It's a, it, I'm I'm stretching a little to justify it, but I think that along with just like that's ah, cool shot, <laughs> you know, looks good, gets the story across. No, and like, I let's think, just well, do it. I, I think that does make sense, and that, and that does fit with Miles's character. That Miles, um, you know, in much the same way that. Birdie is thoughtless, you know, not watching how she speaks. Miles is thoughtless, not watching how he interacts with other people and how that looks to other people who aren't right there. You know, he doesn't, when he's talking to Blanc, you know, when he says like, oh, that was real. um, It doesn't occur to him how others will take that when you know, I, th- there's one moment where he does seem to be talking to Blanc about like your partner will say, you know, you're crazy. You got to stop. And obviously that was partly intended for Andy, I think. But but in general, mm-hmm. he doesn't seem to be like a person who thinks about the consequences of his actions beyond the right. direct consequence he is intending to have right now. Like he does not think more than one step ahead. He wants able to think he thinks many steps ahead, but he's not really. So I, I, I don't know. I, I can see what you mean. That like maybe you're giving it too much credit, but I, th- I think you're just flat right. I think that just fits his character. He's just a thoughtless jerk. And this is where that's yep. being hit kind of home. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, working working backwards, I was gonna say something that has always jumped out at me. Uh, So we have two running moments in this one minute 
First, we have a funny running moment with Blanc having to navigate those little, like, it's a walkway, but, you know, it's not a solid single walkway. So it's just like having to do this funny little, like, uh, 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 barely, you know, little duck steps type thing. Um, So that's number one. And number two, when Duke runs toward the camera and then turns to his right, it has always and still reminds me of a Wes Anderson shot. Um, oh yeah, I can see that. He they have they have similar shots especially in Grand Budapest Hotel where like uh Ray Fines and Zero are I, f- I forget the actor's name, but they like they like are approaching and then they like they go kind of huh? Huh? <laughs> they like they kind of look toward camera and then look away from camera in total profile and I'm like this is a Wes Anderson shot. Yeah, when he when he turns and moves and that also that one that one shot of Blanc behind him and when we see that we're actually getting like yeah. three different points of view we're getting like from the window looking yeah. at Blanc and and uh, Duke and we also get Duke's point of view and we're also at some points kind of getting Blanc's point of view um, yeah <laughs> I'm not imagining now what this movie would be like if Wes Anderson shot it and because everything he, he just all of his movies are like living dioramas. I feel like we would we would get like a real tour of the Glass Onion, and we would we would be like watching oh, it yeah. from the inside. It would be like um, he didn't. I don't think he did this. No, he didn't. But it, it would it'd be like that scene in Paddington, um, or where you go through the boat in like Life Aquatic, and uh, <laughs> and we'd see like different rooms. You know, he'd have, he'd have cut the whole mansion in yeah. half, <laughs> I... so we could. I remember I remember when Knives Out was coming out I thought it was going to I was actually kind of afraid and I I really like Wes Anderson um but I was afraid that Knives Out was going to be in that yeah. vein I thought it was going to be like very you know like uh harpsichord music uh you know kink songs and you know lots of lots of twee tweed stuff and and it had some of that but then it did its kind of its own thing um so it's just funny that now here we are in the second movie and i'm like but then they just put in one of those shots that and it's not even like that famous but you're like that just it just totally yeah, reminds me like, of that because it's sort of unnatural he runs forward and then like a total right yeah. turn yeah yeah and the way he like runs up yeah. to the camera and then the camera closes in on him a little bit and then we follow him it right. was almost like we were another character who he was running up to and then joining together to walk in one direction together. Yeah. Yeah. Anderson will do that. Anderson will do that type of thing where it's like he kind of catches a character in the camera and then the camera stays with that person as they move uh, yeah. horizontally. Yeah, totally. You know, and and so that yeah, just reminds me of that. Yeah, it would it would have really fit the scene if, uh, um, if the run up had been well <laughs> so i will say as this character not a general but as this character there's a looney tunes character that gets used now and again in the old bugs money and daffy duck shorts who is um mm-hmm. uh like these the same body over and over again he's a boxer with like really thick five o'clock shadow oh yes. yeah crusher okay if you imagine if you had played like like some some woodwinds like going 
as 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 Dave yeah. to like almost <laughs> yeah. tiptoed up towards the camera. Oh man, you could animate that with Crusher. It would be perfect. Yes. He is he is perfect for the Crusher reboot. <laughs> He's built they like ever that make, guy. Yeah, if they ever do a live action please don't do a live action Bugs Bunny with human versions no. of the characters. Please don't let no. that Disney trope go or Disney new Disney practice go to no, that's a that direction. Terrible, terrible uh, idea. That's a terrible, terrible idea, no matter how yes. good it would be if Dave Bautista yes. was the crusher. If you did it. That's I we can just imagine it. Dave Bautista is the crusher, but also don't do that. But uh yeah, that, that he does he just yeah. kind of re- in that <laughs> bit reminded me of like when he would tiptoe, you know. When he would like tiptoe up behind You're right. Daffy Duck or something. Um Yeah. Uh that end shot is so um striking where you see we talked this for a little while beforehand yeah his hands you see his hands and in between them is both his gun and his crotch because his gun is like he has like a like a like a uh skimpy bathing suit holster yes with a holster like right oh yeah over right his right crotch. but it, yeah so it's like it's it's a very skimpy uh trunks is might not even be the the, the word um Bikini no, at, at, with uh, with the holster right there next to his crotch. I mean, on top of his crotch, and to see like that in between his clenched fists, and he's like clenching something in his right fist, like a towel or something. And um, yeah, it's a towel. Uh, and uh, the water is ringing out, so that it's dripping down from the top of his fist down his fist, almost like like to mirror like a tear. And it's possible, like you look at him and like mm-hmm. he does, he seems like maybe like his heart is breaking or he's jealous or mad or I, I, I did wonder, like, is this like a weird sex game? Just because I thought, he are they really yeah. trying to be secret and having, you know, being together in front of a giant bay window? Um, you know, or the, are they trying to be seen? Is this part of it? Because they're all close friends you think right or at least at least he and miles are supposed to be um and uh and then you look at his tattoos and we talked about this before too but how he has the superman <laughs> tattoo right next to what looks like an imperial symbol from star wars which is like he's a character yeah created you know in in some senses is like a is like a a, a sort of a semi Moses-like character, who is a uh, 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 created by two Jewish writers, next to like uh, the symbol of space Nazis. It, 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 it totally fit Duke's <laughs> character. Like Duke would would just see these as yes. two different emblems of strength, and he would not see like the incongruities or, you know, how how one would be like offended by the other. No, or yeah. even know it. You know, like there's no, there's just no way that Duke knows who created. <laughs> no, Superman. I bet not. And you know any of that lineage, he has no idea. He's never, he's never read uh, anything about it. He's just like, yeah, Superman's tough, and the Empire's tough, I Darth Vader's tough. The, and the 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 death and life of Superman. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's my nerd call out <laughs> man of steel finally right. got it right, right. and uh yeah all that I, stuff I, he loves the transformers um, movies no he also he, has yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> it's it's as good as it's as good as Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. <laughs> um uh he also has I can't we can make out his other tattoos cuz one kind of looks like a yeah. spider. And for a second I thought it was Spider-Man's uh logo, but it's not. I was just thinking like, you know, these are like fantasy comic book logos up to this point. And then the last one, we can't decide if it's like an arrowhead or sort of a messed up Star Trek Starfleet logo. Yeah, I feel like that's or too nerdy. Just for some him. other thing. I don't know what it's supposed to be. I guess I, so. I, I, for a second, I thought maybe it's the Alpha A, but then I don't see like a. The Alpha A has that really distinctive cross bob that makes it look more like a triangle. I think it's also trying to be a bit of a Delta symbol. Yeah. Um, also, that seems like a bit. That would be a real. That's a real power move to be like. I'm gonna get the, the company logo of my quote unquote friend, who's yeah. like, got me by the nuts. <laughs> you know, right. like, like who told you to get that? Well, on his chest, he's got like a. I feel like that sun symbol is from somewhere, and I don't know it. Yeah, uh, I there is there is a. It similar... looks like the one for Sublime, which would totally yeah, track. Um, there is a similar. Um, symbol in like uh in like mesoamerican that has like i think that only has like lines going mm. in the in the compass directions it's got like a it's got like a four sets of lines coming out from it it in the middle is the all-seeing eye i believe there's like an eye on a pyramid in the middle of his sun symbol yeah. Which also looks like oh he's yeah, just it does kind of look like symbols that. together. He has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> he went to the tattoo parlor and was like picking out different pieces of flash off the wall or something else he saw. Took a picture of with his phone. Right. Like, Give me that. You know that looks badass. And uh, I don't think he knows what he's doing. <laughs> but it was kind of funny him having the eye on his chest while looking kind of you know open mouth right through the wall, gaping, looking at what's going on behind the window um and then and then we yeah. see benoit Blanc and then we get him in that same and, shot peering out from behind the tree or hedge or whatever yeah again like that that sort of we thought we were alone we thought our detective yeah. missed this turns out totally did not miss it he pokes out and and that is <laughs> if he's crusher blanc is bugs <laughs> it's like yeah and you're right i could there's almost that <laughs> if i were gonna yeah. put if i were gonna put uh, a, a sound effect on this one it would be as uh blanc leans out yeah. from behind the uh behind the the the, the hedgery there um to see what uh to watch duke watch whiskey and miles uh yeah it's funny i i in in previous minutes i heard uh our other uh esteemed hosts talk about how they would have liked to see like a modern foghorn leghorn cartoon but you know benoit blanc like a parody of it and now we've also done it for bugs bunny and <laughs> like we're Round just in the bases just keep making yeah. uh warner yeah, back to it's, it's right here, folks. <laughs> if anyone would be as as slick as Bugs Bunny, and there is like a a uh, you know, oh, we've met today's special friend, <laughs> sort of 
sense to yeah when we zero in on someone in a Benoit Blanc case I think yeah uh, and after this we get we get a kind of a disapproving sort of or a, or a you know look of interest from from Blanc He's sort of frowning at things wondering what does this yes. all mean because um, Duke is going through a lot of emotions like he's uh, he <laughs> it's not he's it really is being very careful to not just make him look mad like he is going through stuff and mm-hmm. um and then we get yeah it's a it's an interesting it's it's almost like that experiment what's i i forget what it is but it's like that alfred hitchcock true cinema thing oh, where you um, show a thing and then the, you cut the to cool the guy's reaction yes. right right it's kind of i wonder if we're doing some of that here where it's like you know and and we're being told to do that by virtue of the fact of what we're seeing and what we know. Yeah. You're like, oh, you would react yeah, you this show, way. Yeah, you show like a, a still um, of a man looking at something, and then you cut that with like a bowl of soup, and he looks hungry. You cut it with like a woman looking right. back at him. You think, oh, he's in love. You could, you know, uh, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I usually, I, yeah. I feel like the film is almost breaking that because it's doing that while looking at. <laughs> You know this pair of lovers and so and you know what their relationship is and so you were supposed to automatically assume anger and yet there's so much running across Dave Bautista's face and in his hand motions that even though anger I think is in there I'm still left feeling there's more to it than that this this looks more complicated Mm -hmm. than just catching your best friend and your girlfriend and being mad right yeah I can see how in all of that I was just thinking about your situation where you had not watched the movie until recently and how you got to I guess that point and decided okay yeah. I'm gonna go keep going <laughs> I totally yeah. get why you'd be like nope I'm gonna stop right there it would have been yeah, we got we got to this point uh, in fact we just there's the hard cut after this where it shows the the glass onion uh and it and 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 the whole yeah. like compound which takes up like i don't know like 10% of the island um a, a whopping mm-hmm. notable percentage it's not a very large island and it is a pretty big mansion and uh yes and we got uh, uh, that was the very end of this minute and my phone alarm went off because I had set my phone alarm for five minutes and I started it exactly when mm-hmm. our first minute began. And then it went off and I was like, no, no I don't want to stop. <laughs> and I said to Jack, like, do you yeah. want to stop now? Because no. I'll stop if you want to. She's like, no, 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 let's keep going. And yeah, it would have been very hard to stop there. It would have been really difficult. It, 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 no, it, I get it, it. Things are really heating up at this point and I really wanted to see like, what's going to happen next. Yeah, and and like that's just we're just like kissing its butt up and down but what else are we going to do but like that when you think about it that is such a solid like act oh, yeah. break yeah of like oh dang this wow okay shoot you know like that that's that totally that is story fuel that totally propels you through to the next thing and you're like and even in even I feel like I know something that I've often had to figure out with my own writing is like how you occupy the time when something is so monumental 
as you know somebody cheating on you or whatever it's like how do you or or solving a murder or whatever how do you justify somebody like taking a nap or whatever or you know what how do you show those things in in a realistic way and i can see this happening is like that's so strong given with everything else we've we've had leading up to it too it's like that one ends so well that when it cuts to night my thought is and they thought about this for the next three hours. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's what they thought about, which I could totally understand them doing. And I was like, yeah, geez, I really walked in on something. Or, in Duke's case, man, this, you know, how, what am I going to do next? And even if it isn't addressed next, I just, it propels me at least through that sure. jump. And I'm home. not, I'm a lit person, but I'm not a theater person. I enjoy theater. I'm not an expert by any means. And I'm sure that someone might mm-hmm. equally break this down in like a five act structure or a three act structure in which mm-hmm. act one really ends when they all get together on the Island. Um, yeah. Uh, like, like ends with like act one ends with, or act two begins with them arriving at the dock together before they take the boat over. I, I yeah could, I I, I could definitely sure see this being in like a five act structure with the end of act two or in a three act structure arguing for this is the end of act one it really does feel like a giant break right here um, mm-hmm. and there right. is a giant time skip we do get a time skip um, earlier because obviously when they all like from when they all solve the puzzles to when they all arrive on the dock is is days Um, but then we've been following pretty closely like there's not been a big time jump since we all got to the since we're all in the dock together no in in a five act this would be like the act the break between acts two and three Um, it definitely feels like Mm -hmm. a real hard cut Uh, and and we get a (laughs) a very hilarious um song choice because they start playing to love somebody uh <laughs> at the at the very yeah i think it even like might come in like before the visual cut there's a name for that too when you uh change the yes. music and then the visuals it's the is it the j yes. cut i think so is j cut or an l cut because the sound is below the picture yeah so it looks like yeah a j. and yeah. i think i i believe you are correct and uh you know, I, yeah, you're right. We're just gonna like kiss right off his butt, but but you know, it's done really well. And and what you just said about how and they thought about this for the next three hours, and I think part of what <laughs> feeds that feeling or gives that impression is that after being very tightly focused, tons of close-ups, our whole five minutes has been. Mostly mm-hmm. close-ups, occasionally a long shot of a character, like the, we get one of Andy earlier, and we get one of um, Duke as he is running towards us. But it's a lot of close-ups and a lot of facial mm-hmm. expressions. Now we get, look, here's the whole island. And here's the whole, almost the yeah. whole island. And here's the whole compound they're on. And now we're going to zoom back in. A bit of yeah, a reset. it really does feel like, a, okay, <gasps> abbreviate. And breathe eight. Okay. And I'm, I'm not going to stop saying that <laughs> word. And then, <laughs> then we, yeah, then we zoom back in and it's a reset. And now, now 
next part. Um, and it's really yeah, effective. Well said. At that. Yeah. And, uh, and I felt yeah. very ready for what was coming next. I was jazzed. I was like, yeah, <laughs> even though also I'm thinking 40 minutes in still no corpses. I was promised a murder. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I was promised a murder. Um, I, 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 that was very well said, and I have nothing to top it with, so I'm going to slightly change the topic and yeah, talk yeah. about music. Um, uh, only because like, I realize now is my chance, because I have a microphone in front of me, I can respond to things that <laughs> happened earlier. So if you go way, if you go way back to uh, some earlier minutes, uh, other hosts were talking about how you know this movie has a song title and ends with a certain song. And they could not remember the song that ended Knives Out. And I was, and I was especially offended, not really offended, but I was especially like taken aback because I remember I was almost on those minutes, but I could not talk about it, which killed me because it's the Rolling Stones, who is one of my favorite bands, and it's Sweet Virginia. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just bringing that up just to say those words that that's what that was. Um, but I've mostly enjoyed the use of music in these movies. Um, this movie, notwithstanding, a lot of times it does this kind of thing where it's like kind of fits the mood more than tells you exactly what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and this song, even though it is hilariously called To Love Somebody, <laughs> which I don't think I got until five minutes before we started recording and you said it. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm an idiot. <laughs> but, but even if it wasn't called that, uh, that feeling of like sort of soulful, melancholic, like gloom w- w- through a pop song is still kind of there. And it's just like, Scorsese level needle drop. Yeah, move, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like this, we're scoring the feeling, not necessarily the action and the exact lyric quality and stuff. And and yeah, I really appreciate that. And I think that also, like you said earlier, like that's part of the reset too. Is like that is the orchestra. I mean, it's literally got like yeah. orchestration to it. It's the orchestra coming up, and we're all like, "Oh my god!" And it's the curtain really just came good, down, and it's going to come back up. I again. don't know the song well enough, and I, I didn't. I had to look up. I didn't even know it was the Bee Gees because I do not like. I did not. Me too. I did. I honestly I did didn't like know either. Bee- it's a 1967. It's 1967. This is the. This is pre like capital yeah. B Bee Gees. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was still like a big hit. Like they were. They've had a weird career. Um, because they were like, I mean, they weren't, they, it's weird in that their absolute peak superstardom comes not only later in their career, but just defines everything about them. (laughs) But they were just like a pop rock band in the sixties. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they were. And it's crazy to think about. It was like, you mean the guys who were like synonymous with disco like they made oh, the like sound when I, when I realized that they had a career before then Aerosmith went back I think I think I was I, I don't know I think I was in college um this this, this would have been like mm-hmm. very late 90s or like around 2000 and uh my roommate when I went to college um 
liked Aerosmith. And and I thought mm-hmm. of them as a hair metal band. You know, I thought of them as like 80s, yeah. not just hair metal, but like as, as in like being one of those bands that was like that did like not hard rock, but, you know, you know, late yeah, 80s, yeah, yeah. mid 80s rock and then did other stuff, too. Like, I mean, I remember like crazy and um, uh, living on the edge, you know, which is yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and like good stuff, not not bad music. Um, Crying and amazing uh, and crazy with the pink, three. You know, and um Yeah, sure. And and I was like uh <laughs> Yeah, they're, you know, decent of, of that kind of band, they're a decent one. And he was like, You know, they they go back, they're like really a seventies band first. Like they like they mm-hmm. and he pointed out like they need a couple of songs and I was like yeah, well, they have like one album. And like, no, no, they have like one album in the '60s. They have like, they have like, they had they had an album, a career stretching back, you know, like more yeah. than ten years earlier than where I thought of them as like where they came out of, and um, and yeah, finding out the Bee Gees yeah. have like you know were big in the '60s or at least had a had a notable career in the late '60s. It was like, yeah, it kind of blew me away. I did not know that either. And again, I mm-hmm. because I don't like the Bee Gees, and I think of the Bee Gees as it, disco. It I'm is not, a I don't like disco very much. It is such I a I don't hate it, but it's like not my thing. No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It is and it's what you described is such a pre-internet issue. Right? Yeah. Because you, know you can just mean? like put them into a search engine and then know everything about them. No. There's no Wikipedia. Nothing. So yeah. you had what you had, and for me and the Bee Gees, that was the Saturday Night Live not Saturday Night Live, Saturday Night Fever uh um yeah. soundtrack. And that's it. Like that's, it's not, that's it in a reductive way. It was like, that's it because that was what they were. And so, because I didn't study anything else and you know, it's a little before my time. I'm like, well, I guess that's who they are. Yeah. yeah. And that is absolutely not what they are. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's a total pre-internet problem. Oh yeah. I, I went to Wikipedia. I looked at the cover of, of that single and mm-hmm. like the, like oh wow they just look like another like pop rock band of the late 60s <laughs> yeah there's just uh, yeah, yeah that's yeah. it's they're uh they're i think they have a documentary that came out maybe in the last you know like 4 years or something that's that's totally worth checking out because it it talks a lot about that i mean they were they worked really hard <laughs> They just happened to be in this one spot eventually where it was like, oh, you wrote the sound of like a mini generation. And this isn't even my, you like, know, like right then to the point where this isn't even the first version of the song. When I think of this song, there's a Janis Joplin cover and I do. Oh, yeah. love Janis Joplin. Like I'm not like a giant fan. I don't like mm-hmm. know her catalog or anything, but I really do love her voice. Um Mm-hmm. And uh, and I like her cover of the song. And I I'd heard it. I'd heard this version before. Um, I listened to old radio a lot when I was a kid. I just didn't know that it was the Bee Gees. Um, but yeah. Anyway, it, yeah. Song for me. It was a really good choice. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And and I have I have a weird new appreciation. I guess I'll say for the Bee Gees. Yeah. Because that's what it's a good. If there's song. nothing else that came out of this. If there's nothing else that came out of this, we should all look at like pre nineteen seventy seven Bee Gees stuff. It has embiggened my view of the Bee Gees. I have abbreviated <laughs> an embiggened view yeah, of abbreviated the Bee Gees. Though. It's been a full reclamation of everything I've been trying. To do. <laughs> it's a real infraction point. 
Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I mean that's you mentioned before. There there are several of those in here. Um, some some you know good needle drops. Um, yeah, I think that's that's the at this point in the movie at least I think that is the the biggest one. Uh, mm-hmm. I think so too. The one that grabbed me. I mean, there was the um, there's there's the fugue in the there's a parliament song earlier yeah and there's a and there's the fugue that they play but blackbird this is all oh yeah there's a scene in the beginning yeah. where he's playing yeah. supposedly on that's Paul like McCartney's a guitar, guitar. Drop. <laughs> yeah. literally and uh, uh is funny to me because that was um this is another moment where you get the impression that like that miles is um is kind of thoughtless not just because he drops Supposedly drops Paul McCartney's yeah. guitar on the sand, but because uh, Blackbird, which Birdies is her favorite song, and I assume this is the bird thing, um, mm-hmm. but Blackbird is also kind of Paul McCartney's um, sort of response to take on note of encouragement to the American civil rights movement. Hmm. Um, I've never heard that. Really? Yeah. yeah. Black oh. Blackbird. There is a metaphor for African Americans. Um, okay, like take these broken wings, learn to fly. All your life, committing to be free. Like it's about like a rising up, right? It's uh, all right. It's, okay, it, the opposite of a protest song in that it is like a song of triumph, and and yeah. seeing like uh, beauty in like a struggle being accomplished, and. And like just being impressed, basically, um, by by the civil rights movement, um, and you definitely I get the it. impression that that despite owning Paul McCartney's guitar, <laughs> Miles Braun knows nothing about any of this whatsoever, and neither does Birdie. No, and I I had to look it up uh, recently because something that drove me nuts was Paul McCartney's left-handed, but. Uh, Miles is right-handed and he's playing it. He's playing it a right-handed way. So that means one of two things, either a, uh, well, I guess three things. Uh, one is that maybe the movie messed up. Two is, um, maybe, uh, um, it's not Paul McCartney's guitar or three and probably like in the, in the scope of the movie, uh, the truth is that it is Paul McCartney's guitar, but Miles is le- is right-handed, so he had it restrung yeah. and therefore like permanently damaged <laughs> so that he could play. It. He had like the f- like whatever like flipped. Um yeah. Yeah. That's you very, have to you have to you have to, to imagine. Yeah, you have to file the nut and whatever to to get it right. And so that seems like the most possible and also kind of the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this whole every every little extra thing we talk about miles doing is yeah. is just more and more revealing of like what a self-centered thoughtless jerk he is <laughs> who is i yep. just clueless also so I, this gets into kind of our our week five thing, our special, I feel like we're, we're pretty much done with this minute is yes. Yeah. Talking about the movie as a whole 
and how these minutes fit into the movie. So spoiler alert from this point on for a few minutes more before we finish up, we're going to talk about the rest of the movie and how this, these five minutes uh, we've covered this week fit into this movie. We mentioned earlier, these are times to hold on to because later on Mm -hmm. when we see the movie again, um, when we see things through Helen's point of view, after we learn that Andy is actually Helen, and Helen's been playing Andy on the island, mm-hmm. uh, these are some minutes that are going to be really critical because we're going to get some more things inserted into this time, and we're going to see these things in a new light. Um, what's your favorite of those, or is it like a? a time that you'd point to you like, Oh yeah, now I see this. Oh dang. And it, and it grabs me. My favorite of those or one that just is tough. You think is most interesting or, um, I, well, uh, I'll just say one that jumps to mind is, um, is, uh, when she's on the boat and everyone is taking it, to be like she's standoffish and stuff, but really she's just seasick. <laughs> yeah, and that is a good bit. And, and then actually, actually, some one thing that I kind of like, which is again, I'm using the word cheat a lot, and I'm sorry, but it feels like a bit of a cheat or like a lucky coincidence. But I think it's part of the plan that she and Blanc come up with. Every time a scene has Blanc, like in the early half. Or so every time a scene has Blanc and say miles or somebody's about to like call him out as like, you're not supposed to be here. And like, what the heck are you doing here? Andy shows up and I enjoy watching those, especially on a repeat view because you realize how close they were to the whole, you know, the whole uh, plan blowing up. Mm-hmm. But they also know that the mere presence and sight of Andy at this party is going to, to coin a phrase, disrupt the momentum of stuff. Yeah. And it happens pretty consistently. You know, like we covered it, or, or did we? No, it was in the previous minutes, um, or previous set of minutes, where uh, Miles is talking about, it was like, that's what we did with Alpha. I mean, that's what, that's what I did with Alpha. That's what we did with Alpha. He says that because he sees her. Every time he's, every time anybody sees her, it changes how things go. And I like how Helen and Blanc weaponize that. Yeah. And the first time we just think they're like, everyone's like shocked and maybe this person is dangerous. Maybe she's the killer. And then later you realize it was like, no, somebody thinks she might be dead and they're actually like freaking out a little bit or they're freaked out because the last time they saw her was at a trial and they know that. Yeah. I thus that I think is my favorite yeah. of those. My favorite bit from this set, anyway, that changes. Oh yeah, take me. Yeah, are when are is the the moment where we actually see her and Claire talk briefly, mm. and that's yeah. what, and we realize Claire is not just suspicious because of what was just said in the pavilion, but she's suspicious because of the conversation they have right after that and before she walks away but that conversation was happening at the same time as 
Blanc and Birdie's conversation. So we weren't privy to it before because right. we were really following Blanc's POV. But when we were following more Helen slash Andy's POV, then we we see that. And it also, <laughs> knowing that whole time, that, that whole afternoon that she was drunk... <laughs> <laughs> and getting yeah. drunk. That, that scene that scene goes so great too because what she says everyone's is like could you repeat all that again <laughs> and then watching her like masterfully like even when she's you know at least tipsy and then getting drunk because she's not a drinker at all. And apparently Jared Leto's kombucha is like a liqueur. Like it's like almost 20 proof. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Um, um, plus who knows what kind of like tannins are in there that might have someone react. Yeah. Right. I don't want to think. Um, I am not a kombucha drinker anyway, but the idea of like hard kombucha is like, well, no thanks. No. Uh, <laughs> so she's getting like notably drunk by that point. And yet still like, tossing in you know recording devices and getting people to talk about whatever listening in to conversations very adeptly Uh, she's doing like an incredible Uh, job two things two things that i really like is one i love for some reason it just stuck with me the line when he's like when he sees her drinking that he's like what are you doing and she and she says this this is just some funky hell stuff (laughs) the way she says it is is like just perfect like how when you get a little drunk you start like almost a little kid voice comes out and you're just like funky hell stuff just cracks me up and then later and i might have missed this but i noticed the last time i viewed it the scene that's going to come right after our minutes here miles has everybody's drinks right Mm -hmm. And he gives Andy a drink, which she does not take because later on you see Benoit look at her like, don't do it. And she just puts it down. Yeah. And I was actually thinking later, it was like, did, I wonder if Miles would have tried to poison her there. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it would have been a little obvious cause it would have been him making the drinks, but just for a second there, I'm like, I'm like, oh, you never, I don't know about taking drinks in this world, guys. That's, that doesn't work certainly doesn't work out for duke but yeah it just struck me as like oh it's a good thing she didn't drink that because there's probably something in there well, got me i can only think of like there's like two more things i i really want to say about okay uh it, it, one of them is that whole time ever after miles holds up the clear the whole time i was mm-hmm. assuming someone was going to get that put in their drink and that's what i thought killed duke Oh, I thought he slipped or someone slipped that into the drink uh, and it looked like ice, but it was poisonous. And that's good. That's how it was going to go. But then, of course, that that ended up being, I think, a red hair. I think that was I think I was meant to think about that. Yeah, maybe. Um, uh, but then it obviously it comes up in the end, something else. And I thought that was really good. I had the same thought you did about like about people switching drinks and 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 who's going to put water in whose drink and how easy that would be and no one's watching their drinks um Mm -hmm. and we were talking about you know things that reminded us of other movies um and you were mentioning what the 
the end reminded you of, and I can't remember now. Um, the the what the end, again? What again? the end reminded you of? Oh, it re- reminded me of Last Jedi. Right. Okay. It reminded me with the with everything burning down and falling around them, and all of a sudden it's dark outside. You can just see nothing but that. It reminded me of uh, Ready or Not. Uh, oh, I have not seen Ready or okay, Not. Do, I mean to. You, That's the one about the woman who like marries into a family and they play like a weird hunting game, yes. right? Okay, I don't want to spoil it for yes. you then. I, I don't want to spoil it for no. you, but watch, you should definitely watch Ready or Not. Like, Okay, like, yeah, it's on the list. Like both of these movies, like Knives Out and Glass Onion, it is a look at American wealth. Mm-hmm. and Americans wealthy class and what they are like and why and what the effects are like and a lot of that is through the eye of someone who is not of them yeah. you know like, I don't know what Block's right. background is except that apparently he is <laughs> roommates giant air quotes with Hugh Grant which is lovely <laughs> yeah sure I'd love to see more of that best friends um, with <laughs> uh, and that he is southern uh but Jean Monnet's character in, in here, um, you know, being a one of them being a a purposefully self made faux rich person mm-hmm. uh, who who is becomes wealthy, but is also like made that persona for herself, uh, and and right. very much a self made woman, uh, and then the other one being you know, a school teacher, um, and and then. In Knives Out, we had a, we had a similar like a self made man who was a writer, uh, and then his family they all grown up rich and what that was like. And in this case, in uh, Ready or Not, it's old money. Mm-hmm. Like they've been wealthy for generations and generations and generations, and um, and then you have someone marrying into them who is not of their class who grew up like you know right working class maybe lower middle class uh and there is a similar like things things go down which i, I wouldn't say anything you couldn't you couldn't get from a trailer uh but it has an end that in many ways especially with um janelle monet's character being of that same kind of like the person who's not of this class and has to kind of like fight her way through them um yeah reminded me a lot of the end of cool or not it's really fun I'm it's it's on the list. Trust me. Um, Worth Worth I was trying to think of any other things I wanted to shoot at this movie. I guess the only other thing is I I'm one of the people who really appreciated them dealing with the pandemic. Yeah. Like I know there's a I know there's kind of a push and it it's not even a push anymore. It's like it's how it is where like people make movies and TV shows where it's like, don't mention it. Don't talk about it. Don't do it. Yeah. And I know, like, I, I, it just occupied our lives so much that I appreciate it being said. And, and then to like, to your point about, you know, what you're skewering here, what type of wealth gap are we dealing with to, to be able to have like, to deal with the pandemic and then also have it be like, well, you know, but then I have this uh, mysterious person who squirts the rich guy cure in and you're fine. Yeah. Like that's. I kind of love it because I I want you to I want you to deal with those things and have to deal with the problems of them and then yeah if you have to write your way out of it do it in a way that like 
also makes fun of those people. And so I, that's just my last shot. If there was ever anybody who was like, I don't know about dealing with the pandemic. I am one who was like, yes, I, I appreciate it. There is a moment. That is a moment that changed. Like my idea of what that moment was like changed radically throughout the movie. Cause when I first hmm. saw that, I was like, Oh, he has like the ultra, I couldn't tell exactly when in the pandemic this was, if it was like pre-vaccine. Yeah. So my first thought was, oh, he has like the vaccine first, or he has like the secret ultra Illuminati cure that that mm-hmm. like makes the disease go away if you have it. You know, it's like a, it's not just a vaccine, but it's a cure. Uh, and then by the end, I was like, did he just like shoot him full of like, it's like Airborne? or something (laughs) it's just it's just like it's just like a vitamin c shot to the throat and it's just you know it's like everything else around miles it's like bs you know and yeah really changed as we went on also great cameo with ethan hawk who i i've decided is playing ethan hawk oh i could totally believe in this yeah like in the way that how uh when uh, Serena Williams shows up. I mean, she's Serena Williams. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like the same thing here would be like, <laughs> like, Hey man, works work. I got, yeah, I got, uh, I got Ethan Hawke to give you all things. That would have been pretty funny. If you said like, Hey, who are you? It's like, what are you talking about? I'm Ethan Hawke. Miles, you have me on contract for this weekend to do what? <laughs> I'm an actor. Yeah. Well, I want you to act like uh-huh. you're spraying you them with the cure. <laughs> yeah so they'll hug me what's not to get <laughs> it's it's good i'm glad we got to talk about it yeah yeah very good moment uh well thank yeah. you so very much uh, for joining me philip yeah on our last day would you like to plug anything projects or social media oh, anything upcoming? sure sure um uh i have books mystery books in fact so if you're a mystery lover you can love these books too uh they're the books in the psychic barber Mysteries series uh the first one again is the murderous haircut of the mayor of bel-air uh you can find those everywhere or you can follow me at philip Mata's on instagram and twitter and that will show you where to find them also very good very good check out us uh, check out us check us out on twitter at glass onion men it's late at glass onion men all one word please rate review subscribe to glass onion minute on your podcatcher of choice phil goodbye thank you very much for joining me for these thank you fun-filled five minutes that we made a good um <laughs> over three hours out of yeah <laughs> it was great it was very fun very fun Everyone else, please enjoy the rest of the podcast.